welcome. Welcome to Church on the Hill. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Paul. This is my wife, Elizabeth, and we've just got such a special treat this morning with a special speaker. Um, I want you to know I've, I have had this on my heart for, for more than a few years um, to have, have Brother Jimmy here, but the timing just hasn't worked, hasn't worked just right for me, and I, I just wanted you to know that I went to a conference in the last month, and I've told you all about this, how much impacting, how impacting that conference was. And part of that impact and came from Brother Jimmy Arms. And uh, if you don't know Brother Jimmy, Brother Jimmy uh, was the pastor of Stephen Street, has just grown that church to be what it is today, has absolutely impacted our city for the Lord. He and his wife just have such a heart for the Lord. And unfortunately, his wife got up sick this morning, which Brother Jimmy says never, never happens. But I want you to know in the five years, six years that I've been pastor here, Brother Jimmy Arms has always turned an ear to me, has always been very receiving and very welcoming to me, and just, um, I've never had to call on you much, but every time that I ever have, you've always been so receiving of me. And would you please receive this morning, Brother Jimmy Arms? Amen. All right. All right, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Brother Paul, for having me to come today, and uh, I'm excited about being with you. I know that you're preaching, and uh, I think Romans, the eighth chapter now, is online, listening a little bit. That is such a great series, so I hope today's not a speed bump in the road, because, man, that is so powerful. Like he said in one of the messages, man, it's so powerful what God says to us, and Romans 8 is awesome, so I'm glad to be here, and thank you so much. Good to see some of my friends here. Uh, uh, Mike Martin and his family and Phil Martin and their family are attending here and uh, praise the Lord for them. You know, I got to thinking when we came here 20 years ago, we knew nobody in this city and uh, their family was the family that opened their hearts to us and treated us like their family. And so we had somewhere to go for Christmas and we had somewhere to go at Easter and we had somewhere to go. And so I encourage you to do that as people move in. If you're used to your family being here, you forget that when you have nobody, you need somebody. And uh, so they welcomed us and I appreciate that. Take your Bible with me this morning, if you will. And let's turn to the book of Ezekiel. How about that one? <laughs> let's turn to the book of Ezekiel this morning, chapter number 14. And, and I want to share with you as I was reading through the scriptures, uh, it's a passage I've never preached on, I don't guess. And boy, God so grabbed a hold of my heart. And I want to share with you about the practice of righteousness. All right, the practice of righteousness from Ezekiel, the 14th chapter. And I want to begin reading with verse number 12. Read down through several verses there. At an interesting passage where I think God gives us some uh, great insight into his heart. And so it is awesome. Ezekiel, the 14th chapter and verse number 12. Would you mind standing with me as we honor the reading of God's Word? The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came to, again to me, saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job were in it. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they empty it and make it so desolate that no man may pass through because of the beast, even though these three men were in it as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. Or... If I bring a sword on that land and say, sword, go through the land, 
and I cut off man and beast from it. Even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but only they themselves would be delivered. Verse 19, or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury on it in blood and cut off from it man and beast, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. Father, we love you and we praise you and we know that we cannot discover your word. We, we can't figure it out in, in our own way. You have to reveal it to us as Holy Spirit. And so, we pray this morning you will reveal your word to us and we'll be changed. That we will leave here different for your honor and your glory. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. I was in a revival meeting down in Rover, Tennessee, if you know where that is. That's a suburb of Unionville, which is a suburb of Shelbyville, all right? So, the middle of nowhere is what I'm saying. So, I was, I was in Rover, Tennessee, and, and, and we were in revival meeting, and so one of the special musics was a, a little boy, young boy, just a little bit short guy who played the fiddle, all right? You know the difference between a fiddle and a violin. So, this was a fiddle, and he was giving us a little bluegrass gospel on the stage. Well, he got done, and I thought, man, that's powerful. And so I was standing at the back door and everybody was coming out after the service. And so he came out. And I said, man, that was so good. I said, you love bluegrass gospel? He said, boy, I love it. He said, but this guy behind me really loves it. And there's a white-haired man, big old hands, kind of a farmer kind of guy. And he came up there and I said, you love bluegrass gospel? He said, oh, man, I do. I said, well, I said, when I resigned from Stephen Street, they gave me a Martin guitar. Amen. I told him if I'd known that, I'd resigned five years ago. <laughs> but anyway, so they, I got that guitar and I said, oh, I, he said, you love to play? I said, man, I love to play. And he called me on it, Brother Paul. And what he did is I just standing there minding my own business greeting people and he grabbed a hold of my hand and held it out and he felt at the end of my fingers. What was he feeling for? Yes, sir. He's feeling calluses. And, and, so what he was doing is he said, okay, you're telling me you really love bluegrass, to play bluegrass gospel? I'm going to see if you love to play. And we had been in transition. I hadn't been playing much. And so the end of my fingers, like little bitty old girl's fingers, you know. And, and, and so he, he held out my hand. He felt the end of my fingers. He went, <laughs> he laid my hand down, walked out the door. <laughs> in other words, you can't tell me that you love to play. You may say it with your heart. Man, I want to I see some evidence on your fingers. It's kind of like yesterday we went to a wedding. It's about the third one in just the last several weeks. And went to a wedding. And, of course, down front as the folks got there, the uh, Kayla and Jeffrey, they were standing in the front. And they made a commitment to each other. And to seal their vows, they, 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 well, they said vows, and then they gave each other rings. And so, positionally, they were man and wife positionally recognized before us in the sight of God, they were one in Christ. But, but what happened then is that then practically that would be lived out. You know, positionally they're man and wife. But once they left there and they went and gone on their honeymoon and then they started living, practically that was to be lived out. Well, one of the glorious things that we have as Christians is positionally we are righteous by the blood of Jesus in the sight of God. Wow. All that God has done for us by God's grace through faith in Jesus. And then our life is a practice of that righteousness. We stand positionally righteous and then we live that life out. As a matter of fact, 1 John 3, 7 says, He who practices 
righteousness is righteous just as he, Jesus, is also righteous. So what I want to do this morning is to look at the practice of righteousness from God's choice men in this passage of Scripture. Now, let me give you the setting of this for just a little bit, and most of you might know this. Back in the 900s B.C., Israel and Judah, well, it's just one nation of Israel. And after Solomon reigned, uh, then the next ones that reigned after him, his sons, the, the kingdom was split to northern Israel and southern Judah. And as they went along, of course, they, uh, you know, they had ups and downs, and you read, and so there's times in there where the kings led them in righteous ways, and the kings led them, you know, they were evil in the sight of the Lord, and that went up and down. And God kept warning them, judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. And sometimes, like us, you know, God says judgment's coming, but we're kind of thinking, ah, I don't know if you know, I'll ever pay for this or not. And, and so, in 722 B.C., the Assyrians came, and they actually took the northern kingdom. In 605 B.C., then the Babylonians, which were then the reigning power, they came and took the southern kingdom. 597, they came back. 586, they came back. And they just leveled everything. I mean, they took everything away. They burned things. They tore things down. And so they came and finished them off. Well, what they did then is that a lot of times like they did, they took the best of the land. They took the, for example, the, the young men that were, and, that were really promising. They would take them back to try to... Uh, I don't know, get them ready to reign in their kingdom. And so Ezekiel was one of those that was taken. He was a prophet and a priest. And at the age of 30, he began ministering. He ministered for about 22 years to the exiles in Babylon. And so what we have in the scripture here in chapter number 14, he's talking about in chapter 14, beginning with verse 1, idolatry is going to be punished. And you get down to verse number 12, he starts talking about if you're persistently unfaithful, Here's some things that are going to come. And so he mentions to them famine, beast, sword, and plagues. And all these things are coming. And what God does is that he, he tries to emphasize the, that absolutely this judgment is coming. And so he uses these guys. And when, when the scripture mentioned those, and it just grabbed my heart. Because what he's saying is that even though these guys, Noah Daniel and Job, even if they were in the land, that they would only by their own righteousness save themselves. It would not save the land. In other words, he's just talking about the certainty of that. And, and I'm sure the reference is going back to when God spoke to Abraham. You remember when the Lord was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And he came and he appeared to Abraham. And Abraham began pleading, if you find this many people, God, will you do it? If you find this many, this many. And he got down to ten. If you find ten righteous people, will you destroy the land? Well, the reference here is, even if three righteous people are there, even their own righteousness will only save them. It won't even save their sons and daughters. So in other words, he's just really emphasizing that. But the power to me was the guys that he mentioned. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd love to be recommended by the Lord. How about you? And the Word of God says, he says to them, even if these guys, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were here, I would still destroy the land. Man, it just got me to thinking about those. How powerful. Because I'm thinking of who he left out. He didn't say Abraham. He didn't say Moses. He didn't say Joshua. He didn't say Elijah. He didn't say any of those guys. He brought up these three guys. I call these God's top of the order. You ever played baseball or, or softball? And it's not always true if you've got a team that everybody's great all the way down 
down the list, but most of the time your big hitters are up front. You know, you lead off guys going to get on base, the other three guys, you clean up hitters going to clean up the bases, you know. And, 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 and to be honest with you, when I was young, Paul, they had me at the top of the list a few times. But the last time I played last year, out of 10 players, you know where I batted? Yes. 11th. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> there was an extra hitter or something in there. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking, where am I on the list, you know? So, I, okay, I get the word. But, but to, when I go to the scripture here, man, these are God's leadoff hitters. Man, these, are, these are the guys. And the Bible mentions their righteousness. So, let's talk about righteousness for just a second and then look at the practice of righteousness. Now, when the Bible talks about somebody being righteous, what does that mean? It means being right in the sight of God. Wow, right in the sight of holy God. And so that's so powerful. Now, it mentions their righteousness, but my question is, where did that righteousness come from? You see, I mean, it, it, it's more than I'm, I'm doing good things on the outside. Where did that come from? And the reason I ask that is because Romans, the third chapter says that there's none righteous. No, not one. That the Word of God says that there's none that seeks God, that there's no one who does good. That, that's a quote uh, in Romans from uh, Psalm 14. And so when I read that, it says there's none righteous, there's none that seek God, there's none that does good, and the Scripture says that they're righteous. I'm trying to, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of trying to sort through that. How did they get that righteousness? In the presence of holy God, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the only one with righteousness is God. I mean, he's the righteous one. He is the holy one. And so, if he's the only holy and righteous one, if we're to be righteous, we're going to have to get that righteousness from him. It's going to have to be a gift from God. Psalm 35, my tongue shall speak of your righteousness. Isaiah 45, surely in the Lord I have righteousness. Now, so how that righteousness is going to be made available to me and has been made available to us is that God would send the Messiah and God would send his son Jesus who would come and who would pay for my sins and who would pay for the sins of the world, pay for your sins. He would be our substitute and Jesus Christ, I, I'm still, the older I get, the more I'm trying to take this in and understand this, that on the cross, my sin was imputed to his account, credited to his account and his righteousness was credited to my account. Amen? That's a good deal. <laughs> I don't care how you look at it. That's an awesome thing of what happened on the cross. And so, that righteousness comes to us through Christ. Now, you, you say, well, how, how does that apply to the Old Testament? The prophets, Jeremiah 23 said about Jesus, his name is the Lord, our righteousness. Isaiah 53 says, my righteous servant shall justify many. Let me tell you something. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. I'm telling you, from the very beginning to the very end, it's all about the Savior and the sacrifice he would make for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we sang it. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God takes away my sins, credits my, his righteousness to my account by grace through faith. You and I know no amount of good works can make me right with God. Do you know that? No, I don't care how good I can be. It's not an outside issue. It's an inside issue. It's a heart issue. And so we come before him. We repent of our sins. We, we turn from sin and self and trust in Christ only. Now, I want to tell you something. These men understood that. These men understood that. 
Because the Bible says in, in Genesis, the sixth chapter, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I mean, the Word of God says that Noah realized he had sinned against holy God. And there was nothing he was going to do to make himself right with God. It didn't have to be something that God would do. And the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says about Daniel, it says in Daniel, the ninth chapter, O Lord, righteousness belongs to you. Daniel understood that. These guys he mentioned, he understood it came from the Lord. Job said, and you know this, in Job 19, For I know that, who? My Redeemer lives. I mean, Job knew that he couldn't save himself. God would have to do that. I like what else it says. I know that in my flesh I shall see God. Abraham, the same perspective, Genesis 15. And he believed in the Lord, and he, God, accounted it to him for righteousness. And so their righteousness before God came from God. It was a heart condition, and here's what happened. And, and so when you pull out their fingers and fill of the end of them, you can see a right relationship with God by the way they lived. Because he who practices righteousness is righteous. And don't you believe that? When, when God changes our heart and we enter into a love relationship with him, it will change how we live. I can't keep living the way that I'm living. Now, here's what I want to do this morning. I want us to look at, go to Genesis, the sixth chapter with me. Look at this, Genesis, the sixth chapter. Look, and what I want us to do is to just look at these briefly this morning, these three guys, the practice of righteousness. What, what were the things? Wonder why God called them out. That's, that's what I want to know. How did they get to the top of God's list? Of all the men, how did these men make it there? Well, in Genesis, the sixth chapter, as you know, is the account. Verse number five says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth. He was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I'll destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air. For I'm sorry that I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Perfect does not mean sinless. It means blameless before people. The scripture says that Noah walked with God. Now, so let me fast forward on this. As you know, God's going to destroy the world. He says, by flood and by rain. Now, you know, Noah's never seen rain. It's never rained, of course, the way the earth was shaped at that time. It had never rained. So, man, this is, this is a... This is a new thing for him. And what God says, I want you to build a boat. All right? Now, the word I'm going to use for Noah in my heart is, is the word obedience. How does a right walk with God manifest itself? How, how, does, how, how does righteousness, what is the practice of righteousness? I mean, this could go on and on and on. But for time's sake, just, just three of these. One is obedience to the Lord. Now, listen. God told him, you build a boat. I went to the Tennessee Tech for part of a little bit of the football game last night. And... Uh, and I was thinking about this boat while I was watching what was going on on the field, you see. And this boat is one football field and a half long. Now, I don't know how you look at it. That's a long boat, especially for a preacher to build, all right? Because we're not much building things, see? So, here's a, a football field and a half long and, uh, and 75 feet by 40 feet. And he said, you build this boat. And what was so powerful is you, this is your part. But, you know, actually, God just invites us to join him in what he's doing. I mean, it's all about the Lord and his work. And so he said, here's your part, and I will bring the animals to you on the ark. You know, when he said, gather them, I'd been thinking, 
How are you going to gather the birds? I mean, I don't even know what all the animals are. But he said, I'm going to bring them to you. But what's so powerful is that Noah went forward even though nobody around him understood. Nobody listened to the gospel he was preaching. And in a, in a society where nobody else was obeying God, he obeyed the Lord. As a matter of fact, look, look what the Word of God says here. There's a couple of places where it talks about his obedience. Chapter 6 and verse number 22. Look what the Bible says. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Look down at verse number 5 and Noah, uh, of chapter 7, verse 5. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. He had a righteous walk with God. Man, God made him right. And his righteousness showed forth in obedience. Now, the question for me is, as I pull out my fingers, Pastor, as I say, okay, I know that Jesus lives in my heart. I know I have no righteousness on my own. But to the world around me is the practice of righteousness through obedience. Can you feel anything there? I mean, being obedient to the Lord. And I tell you what, when I think about Noah, I'm thinking, man, this is pretty powerful. Uh, it re will require faith to be obedient. And I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm talking about daily obedience and just basic things of, of ways of living. But I'm also talking about assignments that God would give to us. It would certainly require faith. Uh, it, it, hey, one thing in obeying the Lord, we'll have, we're going to risk looking like a fool. And if I've hung up on what people think of me, I'll never obey the Lord. And so I'm going to have to put that aside, risk looking like a fool. As a matter of fact, if God don't come through, we drowned. Amen? Now, I know we don't like that, but uh, that sounds, uh, that's just following the Lord. And so, I, I pull out my finger, first finger, and I say, okay, man, okay, I, I love Jesus. I know that I have the righteousness of Christ. Is that being practiced in my life? One is obedience. Here's the second thing, faithfulness. Go with me to the book of Daniel, would you? Look, look at the second one that he mentioned. The second one is Daniel, Ezekiel Daniel, just, just past where we were. Wow. This is so powerful. Daniel was one of the ones that was taken to this exile to Babylon, okay? He's one of these young men with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's one of these young guys that are very, very promising. And the word for Daniel is faithfulness. Man, he is the faithful one. Look what happens. One of the very first things happen. They get all these boys together, and they're going to groom them. Look what happens in verse number 8 of Daniel 1. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine with which they drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill uh, of the chief of the eunuchs. And so, what happened was, Daniel's away from home. Now, when we're around a good, our good... Uh, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ's support system, we can handle our life one way. The question is, what do I do when nobody's looking? What do I do when I'm away from home? What do I do when I go away to college and my support system's there? What do I do and not there any longer? What do I do when I go on a business trip and people that are normally around me that hold me accountable aren't there? And so what happens is, Daniel, he's away from home. He's out of his setting. And they want to bring these delicacies and this wine and say, hey, we want you to do this. And you know what he says to them? He said, we're not going to do that. I didn't do that back where I was. I'm not going to do that here. And, and what's so awesome, he was faithful to God when nobody's looking. You know what the, you call that? Integrity. 
Integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. We can all do the right thing when, when, when people are watching. But it's when I'm alone, just me and the Lord. My love relationship with Jesus, he's made me righteous. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of shame. It's out of love. I want to obey the Lord. He was faithful. Now, this is such an awesome book. I'm going to skip over something. Let's go to Daniel, the sixth chapter. Daniel, the sixth chapter. Look what happens here. Daniel, the sixth chapter. So Daniel, man, he, he's standing with God and God's blessing. And, and so he kind of moves to the top of, of, of the guys in this kingdom. And the other people get jealous of him and they want to do him in. This is such a great passage. Look what the Bible says in verse number four. Daniel 6, verse 4. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was, what? Faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Wow, he was so faithful. And they said, if we're going to nail him, it's going to have to be in relation to faithfulness because he's so faithful from his walk with God. And so, and so basically what they did is they outlawed prayer. You know, we think that's kind of a new thing. That's been going on thousands of years. And so they outlawed prayer. But it wasn't like if you pray, you're going to lose your job. Or if you pray, you, you might lose your tax-exempt status. This was if you pray, you're going to die. It was capital punishment for prayer. They enacted a law quickly. Daniel, and listen to this, this is good, in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the Bible says that he went home in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since early days. In other words, you can pass whatever you law, law you want to. You can throw me and let the lions crush my body before it hits the bottom. But I will not be unfaithful to my God. I won't be unfaithful. I won't be unfaithful. I'm going to stand. I am going to stand for the one who, who I've been reconciled to him through the blood of the Messiah to come. And I am not going to be unfaithful to him. Now, what is so powerful, the king kind of, you know, took up with Daniel. And when he realized Daniel was caught in this law, man, he, he's going, this is awful. And what's so powerful, look down here. The Bible says in verse number 16, the king gave the command. So they brought Daniel, cast him in the den of lions. But the king spoke to Daniel saying, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. I'm telling you, his testimony was, it didn't matter if he was young and away from home. It didn't matter whether he was older, whether he was working his way up the, the, the scale in, in the business world. Wherever he was, he said, you can take my life, but I'm not going to be unfaithful to the Lord. Man, so powerful. So look at the other one. The final one is Job. This is the one we don't like too much, all right? Go with me to the book of Job. Back in your Bible there, in the book of Job. So he mentions these guys. The Word of God talks about Noah, his obedience, Daniel, his faithfulness, and Job, his perseverance. What does it look like when I'm walking with God and I'm right with God? What, what does it look like? None of these guys are perfect. Don't, don't see any of these guys being sin, sinless. Hey, these, these guys, they, they, they got sin in their lives. But, but right here, their, their practice of righteousness is coming forth from them. Well, you know the story of Job. <laughs> Pastor, as I read this, I thought, you know, Satan came before God and God recommended Job. 
I've got two feelings about that. <laughs> I want to be recommended by God, not to the devil. You know, you know I, I'm trying to figure this one out. So, so God said, hey. And, and you, know, you know what the devil said to him? He said he just loves you because you blessed him. You just blessed him. I mean, I mean, look at his kids, look at his families, look, look at everything going on. I mean, you, you blessed him financially. He just loves you because you blessed him. You quit blessing him, he'll quit loving you. And so, the Bible says, in one day, animals were stolen, servants were killed, fire consumed the sheep and the servants, stole camels, killed more servants. Seven sons, three daughters were killed in a windstorm that fell on the house. In one day, everything he had was taken away. In chapter 1, verse 21, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan shows up again. He says, hey, he's still got his health. You take his health, he'll curse you. And so the Bible says in verse 7 and following of chapter 2, he went out, painful bulls. If you've ever seen pictures of that, it is unbelievable. Painful bulls from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And so he was in awful shape. His wife said, curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. I don't know about you all, but I'm thinking, wow, here's a man that's been walking with the Lord. And, and, and you can read the book of Job. I'm, of course, his friends come try to comfort him with, with incorrect theology. And, and, and they were really no comfort to him. And Job, his heart poured out in this time. I mean, it wasn't like he was saying, oh, this is so wonderful, God, this is the greatest days of my life. His heart poured out to the Lord. But I'm telling you what, he kept trusting in the Lord. He kept trusting, and, and he said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. God pruned him. I've often wondered, you know, we love it when God gives us an abundance. Is it okay if he takes it all away? Is it okay if God asks us to give it all away? Does God have to act the way we desire for us to be happy? Are we prone to quit when things get tough and things get really confusing? You know, like when John the Baptist, he sent... He sent uh, his, his entourage to Jesus when John the Baptist was in prison. You remember? He said, ask him, is he the coming one or should we expect another? And he asked that because he was in prison and he's thinking, if Jesus is the Christ and I'm the forerunner, I should be out there in front of him. What am I doing in prison? Surely he would have delivered me. And Jesus told him, go show, tell John what you see. But here's the, the, the thing Jesus said. He said, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. And an old preacher once said, blessed is he who's not offended at the way I do my business. And I want to say to you, sometimes I understand what the Lord's doing, and sometimes it is as dark as can be. I can't figure it out. But, you know, part of, part of what I want to be on the end of one of my fingers here is patience and perseverance. It's the practice of righteousness. We, we've, we've been made right, and there's a thousand of these. I've been made right before God, but from my love relationship with Him, man, I want to live that out. Let me ask you something this morning. We've come here and, uh, wow, these are pretty heavy hitters and I'm, I'm processing these, you know. I'm trying to think through those. I'm gonna ask you this morning in just a minute. We're gonna, we're gonna have a time of, of invitation. The pastor will be standing in the front. The main question this morning is, have you received God's righteousness through Christ? Are you right with God? Have you trusted him? All the works in the world, not gonna get us to heaven. You know that. All, even all the religious works in the world, it's by grace through faith Jesus died in our place. We trust him as our Savior and Lord. And, and upon calling upon the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and we're, we're made new. We're born again. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Man, it is glorious being a child of God.
It is so glorious walking with Jesus. Have you got that righteousness this morning? Man, this morning's the time to call upon the Lord. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And not only that for us as believers, as we come here positionally, we have righteousness. I mean, don't you praise the Lord for that? Man, especially when I look at my sinfulness, I praise him for his righteousness. (laughs) And I'm reminded daily it's not me. At the same time, I want the world to see that something's happened in my life. I know these are just three small areas, but I, but I, want, I want somebody to fill in my fingers and know, man, there's a practice of righteousness. And it might be this morning that we come here and we're saying, you know, I can't really say I'm obedient because God's asked me to do some things I'm not doing. We may come this morning and say, wow, I want to be faithful. I'm pretty faithful in the building here, but when I'm alone, I'm not too faithful to the one who died for me. Or we may say, God, I'm, I'm asking you, Lord, work the work of patience in me because if you're like me, during those trials, we, I mean, it's tough. I mean, sometimes it's really t- kind of like your heart is ripping out. But you know what? It's during those times that our testimony speaks louder than ever before that we're remaining faithful to the Lord. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Our heads are bowed and the team's gonna come and gonna be leading us. The pastor be in the front. Father, you are awesome and you are great and we just thank you so much this morning. Thank you for, wow, that imputed righteousness through Christ and, and we are right only, only by your grace, only by your grace and we're so grateful and we're so thankful and we're praying this morning, Father, it's Holy Spirit, you will so live through us the practice of righteousness that it'd be an awesome testimony and to you and to this world and so Father, thank you. We ask you now, have your way. Lord, if we need to come and respond publicly in any way, give us courage to come and respond for your honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to stand with me if you will. You respond as God leads. I'll be praying and the pastor be leading.